When you see a light like this, especially in a dark room, it's kind of where your eyes are drawn, isn't it? And every time I do this, I think of the song, and we're going to sing it together, because this is going to be a good way for us to remember this morning, kind of a main subject thought of our passage. And uh, my girls especially love to sing this song. And so if you know it, sing with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. For at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Heavenly Fathers, we open your word this morning. I pray that you would give us new insight today into what it looks like to walk as light, to be your church, and to follow after you with a fervor and a passion. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we can bring those lights up. So take your Bibles, open with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to think about that song we just sang. Because it's a really, it's a really common song. And in fact, you could go into some places even outside of the church and they still teach this song. But it has a completely different meaning when you separate it from the truth of Scripture and the truth of what we identify as shining this light. And you can find this same illustration, the same metaphor in several different places in Scripture. But have you ever taken the time to really think about what it really looks like to let my light shine, is what that song says. Have you ever taken the time to really think about what does that look like? Now, for some of us, this has become kind of a passive thing. We feel that we've become pros, in a sense, at letting our light shine while doing absolutely nothing. Now, for others of us, we correlate letting our light shine simply by telling other people in some way or another that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, quote unquote. But has anyone else noticed how that term Christian has been abused and has been utilized by many who really don't have a knowledge of who Jesus is or what God accomplished through him? You see, if you were to do a survey of a majority of people in just our country, you would have many You would have many who would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. 
But if you were to do another survey and ask the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or maybe even further, who is Jesus? We may be somewhat disturbed by the results. And this isn't something that's just located here. I spent uh, some time in the country of Portugal. Uh, led two missions trip teams there, one in 2015, one in 2017. A country that is uh, 81% Catholic and less than 1% are Bible-believing Christians in the country of Portugal. And yet, of that 81% that would say, I'm a Catholic, only 19% actually attend Catholic services. And it would be even less than that who would say, yeah, I'm a devout Catholic and follow every regulation that's established there. And so you see, when we look at it from this perspective, and specifically in relation to the truth of Scripture and seeking to be who God's called us to be as the church, and we recognize that this isn't to shine my light, isn't something that just happens, And it isn't simply associated with a label of me as saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Then the two questions I want us to ask this morning are, one, what does it look like? And two, how do I get there? Because if we're seeking to embody, to be the church in the community that we've been placed in, and that's what we've been studying through this whole sequence of Ephesians thus far, we're seeking to do that, and we don't yet understand how I shine this light that we talk about, or even what that light is, then how are we supposed to know what that looks like outside of here? And so it's important to come back to a place like this. So Ephesians chapter 5, and the first, first answer to this question, what does it look like, and how do I get there? The first answer to this is when my walk imitates what my mouth speaks. When my walk imitates what my mouth speaks. Look at verse 1 of Ephesians 5. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now just in those two verses, this is really hard. It doesn't just say, follow what God says for you to do, as if it's some list. It doesn't identify specifics in these verse two verses, it simply says, you... The church, that's who he's writing to. Everyone say the church. Be imitators of God. Imitators. Now, as I was thinking about what that looked like this week, the first thing I thought of is how many of us, mostly our children, seek to mimic what we see. And sometimes that's a really scary thing, isn't it? If you've ever been around kids for a long period of time and all of a sudden one of them comes up to you and says something and you realize, oh my goodness, 
They heard that from me. Or maybe it's more of an action or response that you watch take place. And you realize just how much they're watching and absorbing. And you don't have to be a parent for that to be the case. That's true of those of you who are teachers and who work with students on a regular basis. It's true of those of you who work within our children's ministries here. If they're watching, and in many ways they're going to imitate you. They're going to mimic that. Now, maybe it becomes much more of a harsh reality when it's our children, and we go, oh, I'm not sure I want that to be the pattern by which they're developing And it makes us look at ourselves and go, oh, what do I need to shift in my own life? Maybe it's simple words or phrases that I use and I need to go back to Ephesians 4 and let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, right? So that my kids learn that practice. But how much more does that become the case when I ask myself the question of who am I mimicking? Who am I imitating? And I have to say, it's a lot easier, it's a lot easier for us to identify often patterns that we've picked up, maybe from our own childhood, maybe an unhealthy relationship that we've encountered along the way, and we mimic some of those behaviors, and we identify that. And how much easier is it to immerse ourselves into a culture and start mimicking what everyone else and everything else is doing because that's more accepted, right? And yet, right out of the gate, Paul writes and says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children should be a challenge for me to go, man, do I just proclaim that I believe this to be the Word of God? Do I just tell people this is what I believe? Do I just say I'm a Christian? Or does my walk, my daily walk, reveal that about me without me even having to say it? He doesn't stop there, though. He says in verse 2, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And he could have just stopped and said, walk in love. And then it leaves it open for us to define what that looks like, right? And that becomes dangerous too. And yet so often we define love anyway by how we want to define it, right? We look at how our own idea of love has been lived out in our own lives or in the lives of other people or how culture decides it's going to define what love looks like or how someone who told us or taught us this is what love is, that's how we define it. Or maybe it's based in a bad experience and so love has to be the opposite of this bad experience. And yet, God has given us exactly what that's supposed to look like in Christ. And so he identifies, walk in love as Christ loved us. 
and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is going above and beyond to say our walk in love should be modeled after what Christ has already done for us. Now, why, where does that become significant? It becomes significant because until we understand the depth of what Christ did for us, we are destined to formulate our concept of what love is off of anything else except that. It's so important that we understand and grasp as a church family what the grace of God through Christ is. And we talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2. Where it said, for by grace you have been saved by faith and this is not a work of man. So that no one can boast it is a gift of God through Christ. To understand that God knew our sinfulness. He recognized that we were not righteous. And Jesus died anyway. We were, are, enemies of God in our sin. And so the type of love to walk in that as Christ loved and gave himself up is to love and walk in a love that models that very same thing to my harshest critics and worst enemies. That's hard. But it goes hand in hand with asking the question, who am I mimicking? What light Am I showing? Now, what hindrances are there to this? Look at verse 3, Ephesians 5, verse 3. It says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Talk about going countercultural, church. This is a big shift. Okay? This is not like what the world would tell you. And oftentimes we become okay with these things, even in the church. And I want you to look specifically at verse 3 where it says, These things must not even be named among you. Or in some of your translations it may simply say it should not be allowed or it should be avoided or should not be present or some other terminology there. But the simple reality is these things should not be spoken of as appropriate. These things should not be just Brushed off and said, ah, it's okay. I'm going to let it slide. We're going to be okay with this. And that list is huge because it's broad category. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. That encompasses a lot of things. And too often we limit those number of things and we say, well, sexual immorality, that's just adultery, right? Wrong. Sexual immorality, according to Jesus, is if you look at someone in the wrong way, with the wrong motive or intention. That's sexual immorality. And that's, well, are we just going to let that be appropriate? He says, no, let, let these things not even be named. Impurity. Man, we could go on a long list of things that 
go against a purity that imitates God. And covetousness, man. Now there's an American culture problem. And so when we think about this, if we're really pursuing to walk in light of who Christ is and to let my walk imitate what my mouth speaks and says is true, then I have to identify what are these areas that I cannot even allow to be appropriate in my own life. The reality is these threaten to take precedence in our lives. But they most often take precedence in our lives when we let how we feel rule over what is true. I'm going to say that again because this is a big problem across culture but also in the church as a whole. Okay? These threaten to take precedence in our life when we let how we feel rule over what is true. Now this does not mean that emotions are not valid and that we should become callous. We talked about that last week. We should not get to a place where we just lose sensitivity and anything emotionally driven is pushed away and said, no, 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 we can't go there. That's not what I'm saying. But those emotions, those feelings, when separated from truth, the truth of who Jesus is, are destined to lead us down a path of deception and confusion. We cannot let those emotions be the guiding force in our life. Because if I only walk in light of how I feel, then my life is going to be like this. And we could, attest, we could testify to that. I'm sure everyone in here could testify to seasons in your life where feelings and emotionally, man, I am in a valley. But the power and truth of Scripture is that just because you emotionally are in the valley does not mean that God is. And so if we can make our walk about imitating God and pursuing Christ, then all of a sudden, even when I am in a valley, I fix my eyes in the place that is always above all of that. And I can walk in confidence knowing that to be true. Look at verse 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. This is a hard verse, church. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. But Matt, are you saying that if anyone who has committed any one of these sins is destined to forever be separated from the kingdom of God? No. It's not what I'm saying. And we could recognize that by 1 John 1. If we confess our sin... He's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what? We have a really hard time living in light of that truth. We're not the only ones. 
In Romans 6, Paul was talking, writing to the Roman church and he said, Should you continue in sin so that God's grace can abound over and 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 over again? I, it doesn't say all those overs in Scripture. I added that. And he says, by no means. And then we see this clearly when he talks about, no, 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 no. Do not live in light of the past. Do not live like the Gentiles live because you've been recreated in Christ. There should be a shift in my thinking. Rather, this passage speaks directly to those whose identity is shown in these things. Their identity is rooted in this. People whose lives are spent living in sexual immorality or impurity or in idolatry. And they're defined by those things. Now you may go, whoo, I was worried there for a second. But each one of us should take seriously this truth. Because the reality is we don't take it seriously enough. And we hear statements out and about in our culture. And I've had people say this to me directly. They say, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And I go, that should terrify you. That should terrify us. All the more reason for us to go, God, may I imitate who you are. And constantly be checking my life and seeking, God, am I doing the things that line up with what you say? Am I pursuing the things in my family, in my home, with my kids, with people I work with? Am I seeking to glorify and honor you? Or am I shining a different light? Am I pursuing something that is different than this? What my walk is says a lot about my identity roots. What my walk is says a lot about my identity roots. That's all related to the reality that I shine this light when my walk imitates what my mouth speaks. Okay? James talked about this. The book of James chapter 1 said, do not just be hearers of the word. Do it. Do what it says. Okay? Secondly, how does this happen? How, what does this look like and how do I get there? Is when I recognize that the light to be shined is not produced by me. When I recognize that the light to be shined is not produced by me. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. Everyone say darkness. But now you are light. Everyone say light. In the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. My daughters love to play dress up. And it is something that I will never understand. Okay? But I understand that it is very important to them. When I had daughters, it was the first time I ever experienced that someone could get so upset over the type of clothes they were wearing. <laughs> it's just a new reality. This is it's a learning it's a learning thing. And if you were to talk with my oldest, that is very, very, very important to her. And so that has to be important to me for her as a dad. But one of the things that I've recognized is my daughter can be wearing the most gorgeous dress and be really sour in her attitude. And so as you look at that, you realize that what I've decided to put on has little bearing upon who I am. And I can wear something that looks really good. And my daughter can wear something that's really shiny and sparkly. And, and the outfit itself is happy and she could just be angry and mad. And you see, unfortunately, that's much of how we often view our relationship with Christ. And we pull out whatever that is, whatever that outfit is, to come here or to be around other Christian people, okay? But in the background of my life, the core of who I am, I am not walking in light. I'm not living these truths. And the reality of that being, for many of us, we may put on what looks like the light of Christ. We may say the right things or may spend time showing people, oh yeah, look, I've done this and I've done this. But at the same time, could be walking in our own light. Does that make sense? We could be pursuing that which is a light of my own making. Every day that we get out of bed, we have a choice as to what we're going to walk in, church. Every day. We make a choice as to whether or not we are going to put on the already existing light of Christ. That truth is in the fact that if you believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. No one can take that away from you. And so the light of Christ, if we truly believe, if we're truly seeking to follow Jesus, the light of Christ already exists. It's not something you create. But you have to choose whose light you're going to shine. You have to choose whose light you're going to shine. Now to emphasize this, Turn to Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians chapter 3. It should be just a few pages forward in your Bibles. And this will be a great passage to post. I mean, the ideal place would be to post it on your ceiling right above where you sleep. So as soon as you open your eyes, although that won't work for those of you who sleep on your side. But maybe it's something you put on the bathroom mirror. So it's one of the first things you see, and you'll see why in a second. Because it's a challenge as to what you're going to do today when you wake up. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Man, talk about a challenge when you wake up every morning. And I guarantee you, every one of us falls short of this in some way each day. We, need, we have to renew this every day. To say, whose light am I going to walk in today? What choice am I going to make? And I want to encourage you in this. Think about these things. When I recognize that the light to be shined is not produced by me, here's what happens. Okay? When I recognize the light to be produced is not by me, is not produced by me, it brings an awareness of my need to conform to who Christ is rather than conforming Jesus to be like me. To shorten that out, it makes me recognize that I need to become more like Jesus rather than put Jesus in a box that I like. And that's a hard thing to do. Because culturally accepting Jesus is a pretty popular thing. And yet, everything in Scripture is challenging us to be countercultural. To live and breathe for things that the rest of culture would say, why does that matter? When I recognize that the light to be shined is not produced by me, secondly, it causes us to realize the true power of this light is not dependent on my strength, but rather Christ's strength in me. When I know that this isn't a light that I'm producing, then I realize there's way more power in this than if it was just me in my doing. Thirdly, it brings an urgency to the recognition that stating I am a Christian 
does not automatically make me a Christ follower. Now that one is hard to swallow. Simply verbalizing and stating, yeah, I am a Christian, does not mean that my life is following after Jesus. That's for you to decide. And for you to analyze and evaluate and say, does my life model after what God has called me to in Christ? Because me simply stating, I'm a Christian, does not mean that I'm living this out. And we should challenge ourselves with that. And so I have one point of application for you today as we close. And it's this. This one question to ask yourself. What does your walk say about whose light you are shining? What does your walk say about whose light you are shining? And the truth, when you really ask this question, it should cause you to really evaluate every aspect of your life and why you do the things you do and what you pursue above all else and what you're driven towards. What does my walk say? about whose light I am shining. The more we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, church, the more we will begin to embody verse 14, which says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. May we wake up And walk out a life that embodies the very words and character of Jesus. If you would stand with me. Our worship team is going to come forward. And we're going to close with this song. But I want us to think about that question. What does my walk say about whose light I am shining? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I pray that you would forgive us for seeking to shine a light that is different from the light of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bring us as a church body to a place of repentance for areas where we have sought to glorify ourselves rather than you. And may that be the pattern not just here, in this place, but in our homes and our individual lives, that we would really yearn to shine not my light, but the light of Christ. And to pursue it with a passion. Lord, we pray that you would transform us to be more like your Son. And that you would receive all the glory for everything that comes out of that. We pray this in Jesus' name.